You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Well, happy Turds Day to you, and welcome back to This Shit Is Real, a part of Disability After Dark where we explore how poo affects you. Welcome back, friends. I'm excited to bring you another episode of This Shit Is Real, and uh, let's get comfy, cozy, crippled, and constipated. No, we don't want to get constipated. Comfy, cozy, crippled, and pooped out. Let's start This Shit Is Real. First thing is first, I want to let you know that if you want to come on this special series where we talk about how poo, disability, and other things affect you, you can email us using the subject line, This Shit Is Real, by emailing disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and telling me a little bit about your story and telling me how poo affects you. I would love to hear your story and talk about how poo affects you so we can learn more about digestive disorders and just talk about how it affects our emotions and our disabilities and all that stuff. So consider being a part of it by emailing us and uh, being a part of the show. But now, on to the show. On the show today, friends, I'm excited to introduce you to my new friend, Anna Goldfield, who is the co-host of one of my favorite sleeper hit podcasts that I stumbled on one day last year called The Dirt, where they talk about archaeology, anthropology, and exploring the human past, and I just fell in love with it. It's one of my favorite podcasts, and I listen to it every week, and they talk about archaeological stuff and anthropological stuff and different things, and just really, really cool, and really, really, like, scratches my nerdy itch. And when I put out a call to talk to people about poo, Anna was one of the first people that emailed me and said, do you want to talk about poo in the past? And I was like, fuck yes, I do. This is a great idea. But then, we, you know, we, so we do that a little bit in this episode. We talk about poo in the past. But we also talk about Anna's experience with gastrointestinal issues, anxiety, and vomiting, and kind of how that affects her life and what that feels like for her and how that's impacted her how that's just impacted her overall, and it was a really, really cool conversation to sit down with one of my podcast contemporaries, someone that I listen to week in and week out, and hear them talk about their issues around anxiety, their issues around gastro stuff, and it made me feel so confident to be able to share stuff, but also when when we veered into the history, a little bit of the history of poo and a little bit of like some of that stuff, it was really cool as well to hear some of the evidence that she had found around poo in the past. Um, and I loved, I just loved doing this with her. It really scratched my nerdy itch around history and, and anxiety and disability and all the things that I live with. And it was just really cool to chat with her. So I'm really excited to, to invite you to talk about poo in the past and anxiety bombing with my friend Anna Goldfield right here on This Shit Is Real. Anna, hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? You are, I feel like I know who you are because I listen to you all the time, <laughs> but I'm so excited to have you on This Shit Is Real. How are you? I, I am doing very well. I'm excited to be on this segment of an award-winning podcast. Um, right. 
Yeah, I, I'm just delighted to be here to talk about poop. I am so excited to have you talk about poop. So I know who you are because I listen to your show, The Dirt, all the time in my ear holes. We were just talking about how I was listening to you last night at 4 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. I was like, I'm going to listen about archaeology. Ah, soothe me to sleep with tales of the past. Yeah, so... That's what I did. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm glad that that it was helpful. Um, Yeah, so I... I, Yes, I'm I'm an archaeologist. My background is in archaeology, but I also podcast. And now podcasting is my day job. Um, I I work for American Public Media making kids science podcasts, which is a dream job. And it's really, really fun. I mean, that sounds so cool, making a kid's show. Just, mm-hmm. I, I just make, that makes me want to, that's exciting. I love kids and making things digestible for them is like my favorite thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I get to do so many different creative things every day and it's, it's the dream. So yeah, um, I will, I can send you the, the shows, the, the information of the shows I work on. If you have kids in your life that you want to teach to love science. I mean, it's really awesome. I think I think that's so cool. Um, so you're on This Shit Is Real, which is a segment of the show where I learn about how poo affects you, is what I've been, been <laughs> phrasing it as. Snappy. Right? It's good. Yeah. It's, it's really good marketing. It's all me. So I'm learning, I don't know how poo affects you, but mm-hmm. I know that when we were talking about how we were going to put our show together, we're going to do something a little bit different on this Thursday um, when people <laughs> are listening. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> all I'm all about the shit puns today. Huh, okay, all right. Um, so Go. we're gonna do we're gonna ask like the the usual questions about about not poo this time. But we're gonna talk about your experiences of your GI track. Yep, fun things about that. But also we're gonna because you host a really cool podcast about archaeology and our human past called the Dirt Podcast, which I love. Um, Thank you. We're gonna talk about poo in the past also today mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be really cool actually when I put a call out you were like the second person that was like I want to do it yeah okay let's talk about poo in the past so immediately I was like sure it's interesting stuff uh just you know turns out you can make a career out of it you can be a paleoscatologist I saw that in the notes and I was like "Ooh, cool also do I want that job I don't know <laughs> well I mean at that point your samples are probably not as gross as they could be mm. yeah know. yeah and I you know we are recording this I just had my first colonoscopy like four days ago yeah yeah so quite the my experience. whole inside just, it was the experience itself was good the prep I will never I, have, I will never yep. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yep. I I have not had a colonoscopy yet. Uh, I'm sure I will in the future, but I have been uh, colonoscopy adjacent, and so I know what is involved. So, boy, you just oh, have yeah. to get rid of everything, huh? Like, wow! It's like your it's like your whole Clean body you is empty. Yeah, and you're yep. just like, what is going on? What is this feeling? Oh, I'm, this is emptiness. Cool. 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 I feel so. I don't know. Hollow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've had food poisoning before. I like same same basic effect. Yeah, pretty much. Except that this time you're like, I'm doing it, and they're gonna shove a hose up there after what? Yep, we're yep. just clearing the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I want to start off by asking you, Anna, can you describe for me your GI issues and how they play a role in your life? I sure can. Um, 
And I was thinking about this today and, and actually things like IBS and acid reflux uh, run in my family. So I'm sure I have that to look forward to in my future. Um, at some point. Yeah, I know. Um, what a gift from, it really from my is. family to me. Um, so I'm sure I have that to expect, but primarily my issue is tied very, you know, very strongly to anxiety. Um, I have a lot of, I have, I have generalized anxiety, um, especially in social situations and sort of, I don't deal well with crowds. Um, and so, you know, I, I have been, I am and have been on medication for years and years now, but anxiety, I mean, the way that my anxiety manifests is vomiting, which is great. Uh, very discreet. Hot. Yeah. So, I know. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I never, never felt sexier. Um, <laughs> yeah. So before I got my medication sorted out, um, I had a lot of issues where I would just panic or something would sort of upset me emotionally and it would trigger this kind of cascading reaction in my body. And I'd have to just like, no, I, I gotta go. Um, and so it's been, I now sort of, it affects, it impacts my life in the way that I approach spaces that I'm in. If I'm in my house or if I'm just somewhere out, either by myself or with, with my partner, um, I, I feel okay usually, but whenever I'm in a public space, I tend to make sure that I see where exits are. I tend to make sure that I sort of reassure myself by looking for like trash cans or sort of, um, easily accessible bathrooms, like so just because it calms my anxiety to think because what really gets my anxiety going is oh wouldn't it be embarrassing and awful if you barfed in front of all these people which is this awful spiral then right because oh yeah like, i mean i have the same spiral when it comes to, to like ibs wouldn't it be embarrassing if you shit yourself yeah in front of all these people right wouldn't now wouldn't this feel terrible and gosh it's so good that you don't feel anxious right now what's that you do feel anxious interesting (laughs) and so yeah yeah mm, i'm constantly at war with my own just like my own brain just being like it would be pretty bad if you barfed (laughs) like my brain is haunting me you don't you don't see an exit you know you're in public transportation and you know exactly how long it is between stops. It'd be so embarrassing if you barfed on this train. Oh um, no. I know. Uh, so you and I have the same like anxiety monster, but mine is mm-hmm. mine says it'd be really embarrassing if you shit on this in this lecture right now. It'd be really awful if you yeah. like yep. shit on this person that you're going on a date with. It'd be really horrible that like we have the same I think they they must work together. I, I mean, I imagine because, because it's all sort of tied to fight or flight, right? And one of the body's reactions to fight or flight is get everything out now. <laughs> Just like lighten the load, evacuate everything and run away. And so yeah. uh, my, my response just happens at sort of the top end of the GI tract and yours is at the bottom. I'm, I'm still, I'm still sure that the, 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 Hormone monsters, whoever it is that runs those parts of our tracks, were like, "Okay, Andrew gets one, and Anna gets the other." Yep. Go. When they handed those out, we were we were right there. Yeah, yeah. R- right there together. But I definitely have that voice of like, 
It'd be really embarrassing if you did that right now. Like I know that voice because mm. I have it daily. <laughs> I I suspect a lot of our fellow anxious people are are like that. Um, but yeah. So how do you? How do what do you what other than looking for toilets and, look, and looking for <laughs> and looking for bathrooms or trash cans? On a swivel, never not looking for toilets. Yeah. So like, what do you do to like soothe that anxiety? I mean, apart from uh, medication, because um, I do have sort of like take as needed emergency medication. It's been a long time, actually. That's not true. The world is on fire, and I've had panic attacks pretty recently. But I, it's been a long time since I've had like a debilitating panic attack. Usually, at this point, I recognize the symptoms. I know when I'm going into a situation, and I'm already anxious, and so I bring sort of my emergency meds with me. But um, the other thing that I've found that really helps is to tell someone. Um, usually it's, you know, someone I'm with like my partner or, or, um, so if we're going somewhere, like maybe I'm going somewhere with my, with my parents or something, I'll say like, oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of anxious. And I've found that that really kind of relieves some of the burden of, yeah. or it just sort of gets it out in the open. So that sort of shame or, or, um, feelings of embarrassment really aren't, you know, allowing myself to, to be vulnerable and say like, I don't feel good is, I, I've had, a, it's been a struggle to, to be fine with that, but I've found that it's really helpful to say like, I feel really anxious and, you know, either can we do something about it or just like letting somebody know. So like if I, so for example, um, around Christmas time, I went to, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma and which has a fantastic uh, ballet scene, go figure. Tulsa Ballet is sort of world renowned and we went to go see the Nutcracker and it is in a, a massive, you know, performance hall and full of people and I so in situations like that like I try to make sure I can have an aisle seat if if I need to like scoot and pull bar somewhere I can (laughs) but I told one of the ushers like the usher who was sort of in our section like yeah yeah, yeah. just like hey can I just kind of sit by the door for a little bit I don't feel good and I get really anxious she was so nice and she, you know, she just like sat me down and was like, here, baby, have a seat. And I was just like, Cause you know, well, cause you know, you had the voice that was like, wouldn't it be embarrassing if you barbed the nutcracker? Yeah. It would land on so many people. You are very high up. These were not yeah. the expensive seats. You are just, uh, yep. It would be bad. And so, yeah. And uh, that kind of gets, makes it worse. And like the, to just break that cycle of thinking. And it's so hard. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I totally agree with you talking to people about my poo and talking to them about what it does to me. And like, it relieves my anxiety, but it's so hard to get to that place where like, I can tell you that I'm going to shit myself or I'm going to feel uncomfortable about it. It's such, so hard to make that start that conversation. Yeah. Cause we have so much stigma around bodily functions and, you know, different cultures treat these things in different ways, but in general, um, in the Western world, there's there's a lot of stigma around um, sort of excretion, uh, so that doesn't help at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so one of the things I wanted to, I'd like to talk about with the guests on this series is like, what is something about having GI issues that you find not necessarily a disability, but that you find disabling that other people might not under- understand? Um, I think the the extent to which it can impact just my ability to have a normal day, just like the, my ability to function, um, is 
sort of, I, I think would be probably surprising to a lot of people. Um, when, so the, the public transportation thing that I mentioned before is, I mean, in my um, career as an anxious person, it's a relatively recent development. Um, and it, it was, I think, triggered specifically by something that happened, um, which was about 85% my fault, like 20, you know, oh, good math, Anna, 15% um, just regular anxiety. And then I had a day where this was maybe like 10 years ago, I um, drank caffeinated coffee without realizing it. I uh, hadn't eaten in a few hours and I got on a train to go home from, you know, somewhere that was maybe like 35 minutes away and just had this massive panic attack on Boston public transportation. Um, And since then, um, any kind of enclosed public transport has been a, a huge trigger. And so for a really long time after that initial panic attack, I couldn't ride the subway or I had to like really take a lot of medication to be able to function enough to get the like eight stops from my apartment to the university where I was in grad school. And, um, (laughs) and I, I don't, I'm not throwing my dad under the bus here because he means well, but his response I think was typical of someone who doesn't experience sort of the interior manifestations yeah like how anxiety feels when it's really really severe um and he just his response was just sort of try not to worry so much it's like that's not oh don't you love that i love love when people don't have anxiety uh, what that's gonna be i would love to not worry dad i would love to not worry i would love the to just not have that as my default setting but it is and it's sort of like you know if if i were to have a cold right or something and he said well try not to sneeze so much uh, try not to whatever. have a cold so yeah. much yeah yeah try not to try not to have contracted this virus so much and it's sort of like no dad it's not okay love you um, yeah like i did that i did the colonoscopy with my mom the other day and we were coming they 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 show you your intestines in the colonoscopy which is very weird so they I showed me that I, it was kind very cool, strange so cool it was it was it was cool but very it was very weird to be looking at a camera and seeing your own guts weird oh in and real then, time it's not like they printed it out and we're like here's no no here's... no i was awake i was in the oh thing. you were awake for the voyage yeah i was oh. awake and i was drugged up really lots but they showed me my guts and so at the end of at the end of all that he comes out and he goes he goes well you there's nothing there's nothing wrong you're fine there's no blockage you're good you're good great. and so i went okay great like thank you and my mom was there with me and so after he goes, she goes, okay, well, all that means is just try not to worry so much anymore. And I was like, That's not how that works, mom. I was like, no, I hear you saying, but also no, I'll still worry just as much, not more. I'm just going to go ahead and freak out about that, but quietly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, I, I think I, I share kind of the same sentiments as you of like, I wish people would get what the anxiety of having a gastro thing does to you. Because of the shame, because of the embarrassment, because of all that stuff, um, it just can be really hard. Yeah, and also just because, you know, being in public, you don't necessarily want your bodily fluids going anywhere, just sort of out of a health and safety kind of thing. But, yeah. but obviously, if it's something you can't control, that is a different situation. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just it can be it can be frustrating when when loved ones around you want to support you, but they don't know. They just don't know because they don't live it, so they don't they don't have the yeah. same frame of reference. And you're like, I can't sh- I can't show you. I just need you to believe that it's real. Yeah, and so much of that in sort of the health and wellness sphere, so much of that is the need to believe people when they say they have these symptoms or they feel this pain or whatever. And I think I think that's a big issue, and maybe not for this particular episode, but it's, it's definitely a huge. Oh no! Issue. I mean, it totally is because a lot of people with like chronic pain also have poo stuff or gastro stuff, or a lot of people with disabilities have. And I've been saying, people have been saying for years on the show, I wish people would believe me yeah. when I say I can't. But and so, like when I tell somebody my guts are rumbly today, and they go, "Oh, it's all right, just take a thing and come out with this anyway," I'll be like, "No, no. What I'm saying is, I'm like bowl over in pain, can't see you. Thanks so much." I got to cancel everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And actually, speaking of anxiety and poop, I do have, the, I just remembered this. I do have um, like dirty toilet slash poop uh, anxiety dreams. Like <laughs> I often have, it's either the specific focus of a nightmare or it takes place during a nightmare that I walk into usually like a public bathroom stall and it's just like yeah. shit smeared everywhere or the, like the toilet's really dirty and I like I can't find a clean place to go I don't feel free to psychoanalyze that all you want I just what I mean I just popped back what? into my head shit nightmares that I mean that that I, <laughs> I mean <laughs> that sounds really not fun that sounds I mean or also in a different universe, hilarious at the same time. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's fine. I can it's laugh a, at it. It's a it's little funny. Like, and, and having a shit. People, I know. People, it's just people who know me and who know how I sort of often deal with anxiety by cleaning things will find that very funny. I think because it's just like, oh, my worst nightmare is like, ah, oh, this toilet's full of poop. Like, there are people I who mean, have experienced like real legit trauma, and I'm just like, no, it's dirty. No. I mean, but poo, like poo can be traumatizing. I've sure. learned. I've and learned I don't know, like, a... like, did I have a, a early formative dirty toilet experience? I don't know. I don't know why it's in my nightmares. I don't know, Andrew. That, I mean, I seriously want to like go into your dreams and be like, where did this come from? But yeah. awesome. sometimes they're fun. Just not those ones. Yeah. If... <laughs> no, I keep picturing, I keep picturing like you walking into a bathroom now with like the Freddy Krueger music behind you, but instead of Freddy Krueger, it's just poo. <laughs> just like fart noises. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, great, great, great. I mean, I've seen well, dirty I, toilets and like in real life, I've just been like, oh, I guess I won't use that stall. But in my nightmare, it's it's much worse. And like it's I had- like everywhere. Once upon a time, I had the worst, worst, worst roommate, like the least considerate person I've ever met. And she would leave her shit in the toilet all the time. She's like, it's not no. hard to flush. It's not hard. Just like so you just you just use your one little thingy and you just you press yeah, that flush button. You just, just you do that for me. Yeah, like multiple times. Just well, like I would go to it... use the bathroom and then like lift up the toilet seat and be like, ah, God. <laughs> she was the worst. That's awful. That's awful. No, don't. If you if anyone listening out there lives with anybody, don't fucking do that. It's horrible. Horrible. Like, unless you are somehow incapacitated and unable yeah. to flush. Unless fine. you are literally unable to, then then okay, sure. But even if like I'm unable to flush, but I have a person that takes away my shit to make yeah, sure that it's like, not like in there. So 
it can be figured out. Don't leave yep. your shit out for that. people to see unless your body. Don't be like says my no. bad roommate. Yeah, <sighs> don't do it. Um, you've kind of shared a bunch of funny stories already, but I want to ask you: <laughs> Do you have a funny story about having this like anxiety bombing that you could share? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's tragedy plus time equals funny stories. Um, equals hilarity. So it, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, was, I think. If you can view these kinds of things with a sense of humor, it does help. Um, I, don't, I, I guess just like I've now sort of matured to the point where being open and candid about it, like at the time, it's not funny at all. But yeah. afterwards, or, you know, um, just sort of if the situation is is forestalled, like if, if I don't barf and and we you know we get home and i'm feeling better she's like haha it wasn't that great that i didn't you know ruin our nice dinner by yeah you know letting it back out into the world um (laughs) and i yeah i think just in general a sense of humor like i mean really the worst it's been in recent years was maybe oh gosh like six or seven years ago and uh we my partner and i were both doing research in france um, tough life, I know. And we were so flying cheese in France, mm. cheese baguette. Cheese. I oh, love it over there. It's pretty great. Um, yeah, unless you are freaking out, which I was. Uh, and so this was um, the same. It was the summer right after I had had that that triggering public transportation uh, event, uh, and so. <laughs> the worst it's been is that we were set to fly to Dublin, like as a sort of stopover on our way back home. And yeah. um, I just was so violently ill because I had run out of my anxiety meds that I usually take for flying. Oh no. And so Which just like, you... yeah. And so like, I was, I thank God did not throw up in the taxi cab, but we had to have the nice man in the taxi. Fortunately, I speak reasonably good French. And so I can say like, I don't feel well. Please pull the cab over. <laughs> uh, my French is not just English with a French accent. I can't actually speak French, but it's pull the cab. No, um, no. And so I didn't throw up in the cab, but I did throw up like five times in the airport bathroom. And then we flew to Dublin, and then I was fine. Like the flight from Dublin home was fine. So I don't know. I guess my body just had to like produce all the anxiety neurochemicals and then sort of maybe it ran out i don't know i'm not that kind of doctor i i don't know how that the endocrine system works um mine is baffling but yeah so that's not exactly funny but sort of the the relief of getting up the next morning and somehow just being like okay let's get on a plane yeah yeah, the much shorter flight from from the bordeaux to dublin was miserable just, yeah, I've well, been on planes. I've been on planes recently where I had to poo mm-hmm. and I couldn't. And when I'm on a plane, I'm like an able-bodied passenger on a plane. I can't just get right. up and poo. Yeah. I have to. So I have a I have like I have provisions. I have a diaper on. I'm good to go. But I know the social mores are you can't shit yourself on this plane. So I have the voice in my head being like, it's a seven hour flight from Paris to Toronto. You cannot shit right now. But you have to right now. So have fun on the flight. <laughs> oh, Bye. No. 
It is so stressful. Stern talking to with your own butthole. Yeah, being like, don't move. Don't don't you dare. Lock it up. And so I definitely understand what it's like being in an airport, being covered with your own GI tract, being like, what do I do now? Great. Yeah, it's not. It's a stressful place to be at the best of times. But. And, you know, I'm just thinking of a story. Speaking of barfing in Paris, I. The most romantic was, place to barf if you're yeah, going to it. Yeah. I, when I was there the first time, I um, I was on uh, not anxiety meds, but meds for your, for your tummy because my I had GERD and all the stuff. So Oof. my so I was on meds for that, but I had forgotten to renew my prescription before I flew to Paris. Like no. the ridiculous human that I am, so responsible, and so I get on the plane. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> Still ridiculous. Okay. So I get on the plane. Everything's fine. We land in Paris the next morning. I'm good for most of the day. And then we have, we go to like a subway in Paris because we need like a subway sandwich shop in Paris. Oh, okay. I was like, do you mean the metro? <laughs> no. No, no, okay. no. Like, like a, a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. A sandwich. And so I had it. I was fine. And then when I went to bed, I was like, not sitting right but maybe uh, it's just gas and then i wake up at two in the morning and i start projectile vomiting everywhere like green bile it's a whole the whole journey of vomiting over all in this nice like hotel this uh, airbnb that was right overlooking the eiffel tower beautiful place i'm vomiting over the whole place oh you wouldn't be the first person to be miserably ill in paris but Yep. So I vomed all over it. Oh no, it only gets better. And then in Paris, when you need a hospital, they don't, they don't, you don't call 911. Mm-hmm. You call a doctor who comes and looks mm-hmm. at you and says, you have to go to the hospital. So I didn't have insurance because I was young and silly and naive to what that meant. So the doctor comes and goes, well, you have to go to the hospital. <laughs> and we were like, no, we don't want it. We don't want to go because if he goes, we have to pay all this money that we don't have because Andrew didn't get insurance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so he, they, in like angry Parisian French, say no, no, like we're taking you to the hospital. You have to go with us. They are going so to the hospital. Yeah, and so my mom and I are like fighting with the ambulance attendants, being like, no, we can't afford this. Like we say no, and they took me. <laughs> they took me anyway. Thank goodness they did a scope, gave me the meds. And I was fine, but they sent me a bill for like twenty grand that Whoa. I that I couldn't pay, so, which I still haven't paid, and I still haven't done anything with because I'm like I'm I have disabilities, like what? How am I going to pay for this? So yeah. we had to keep keep explaining to them in the nicest broken French that we could. Andrew's on social assistance and has no money and can't do anything, and so they were like, "But you're his mother, you pay." And my mom was like, "Yeah, right. What are you? How am I going to do that?" Yes, with my millions. So I fully understand the joys of what happens when you barf in Paris. Mm-hmm. It's ah, good times. Barfing and things. Ah, uh, Perry. Can you put some accordion music behind this? Yeah, yeah. I'll just, uh, nah, yeah. I'll just, I'll put some French like. Vian Rose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I want to ask you because you run the Dirt Podcast, and because we, I mentioned this earlier that we're going to talk about how. Why it's important to talk about poo from the past. Yes. You have done, you've done some great research for us. 
<laughs> for this episode as to why we should look at poo in the past. And I'm going to let you just kind of go. Just sort of poop out the information. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are lots of reasons why looking at, well, okay, so you can look at things a few different ways. You can look at actual poop in the past, which does sometimes get preserved. So we can we can talk about that. But you can also look at the ways in which people have recorded treatments for um, issues or the way that people have described medical issues. There have been lots and lots of, of um, medical opinions over the many, many centuries of, of written history. And so looking at ways that people have dealt with GI issues uh, might be instructive, maybe I mean, sometimes it's just like, no, don't put bread up your butthole. That's not going <laughs> to, that's not going to help. Um, but, you know, sometimes maybe there will be genuinely useful information. Um, but also sort of genuinely knowing about people's experience in the past, everybody poops, every single human being, uh, barring something, some kind of condition I don't know about, uh, makes, makes waste, right? Your body makes waste as a byproduct of consuming food to keep you alive. And so understanding that part of the sort of fundamental pun intended human experience is, is important to like really kind of access all facets of human experience that we can in the past, which is what archaeologists try to do is sort of bring life back into the the past and to um, understand the sort of everyday human experience, but also you know, kind of veering into the more serious, you can better understand things like pathogen vectors or ways that um, city planning can avoid, you know, spreading um, sort of what's called, uh, (laughs) I think it's oral, fecal oral transmission of disease, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, these things that affect city planning and sanitation and, and these sort of adjacently affect things like life expectancy in the past and and just sort of there's a there's a whole wide world of of poop in the past so maybe do you want to talk about some some real actual poops so I'm like yeah you, you want some stool samples I I would love some stool samples yes please this is the I place will, for yes. them yes I will present you with my stool samples so the oldest Amazing. one that um and I already knew about this because a because uh the dirt actually did an episode about poop, uh, about coprolites and poop in the past. Coprolite was a fancy word for fossilized poo. And so I can send you the link for that if your listeners want to experience. If that's what you want your first experience of the Dirt podcast to be, great. Um, It really should be because, I mean, who doesn't want to start with poo? Yeah. Usually the day kind of ends with, you know what, never mind. I don't don't know everyone's life. Um, But I did actually know about this from that, but also because I happen to know one of the researchers, uh, but th- it's Neanderthal poop. So there was a, <laughs> a coprolite, so fossilized feces found at the site of El Salt, which is in Spain. And it's a Neanderthal site. So it dates to uh, at least 50,000 years ago when Neanderthals were still bobbing around Europe. And so um, the researchers were looking at hearths. So where fire had been burned over and over, um, you know, fire pits. And they found a coprolite on top of the hearths. And and the researchers did specify, like, we think that they weren't using the hearths anymore when one dude decided to shit in it. Um, So it probably wasn't like taking a dump in the fire. I don't think he was doing, or they, I don't, I don't know who pooped. But anyway, um, (laughs) the, 
the results of that study um, actually led to some really cool information about Neanderthal diet and how uh, they, they probably balanced a very meat heavy diet with lots of plants. Um, so they were yeah. able to tell that from, from the coprolites, but um, yeah. So the, the researcher that, that I know is Inara Sistiaga, who at, at this time uh, in, in 2014, when this article was published was at MIT, she's no longer at MIT, but yeah, I think it's really fantastic and so strange that uh, just the likelihood of anything becoming a fossil is like slim at best. Like you have to, yeah. if, if an animal or, you know, if someone becomes a fossil, they have to die in exactly the right place. Usually it's sort of like a watery environment where they're going to get covered over with sediment really quickly. Yeah. But like, how does poop get fossilized? Like, I don't know. And it just seems like it would be a very sort of ephemeral thing. But then again, I've seen dog turds left out in the sun here in Tulsa and they may, you know, I I saw a dog turd left out in the sun in Toronto today, this morning when I went for my walk. I was like, yep, there it is. Like, okay, that'll that'll be forever. Great. What a beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah. And so Um, apart from that, the oldest known uh, human coprolites, because I think of Neanderthals as humans. So the next oldest, which is definitely Homo sapiens, dates to around 12,000 years ago, which is quite a bit later. So yeah, the, the likelihood of poop fossilizing, arguably even slimmer than, than like an animal fossilizing. I mean, I think it's, I think, I'll be, I'll be really blunt with the listeners and with you right now. Sometimes when I poo, it, I'm like that. That's a fossil. That's gonna be. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, one that, for the ages. Yeah, it's one for the books right there. Yep. So like, so like maybe, maybe one day. Maybe that maybe that Neanderthal did it on purpose and was like, for the future, <laughs> for the people, thousands of years later. Yep, which was absolutely what Neanderthals were thinking about fifty thousand yeah, years of ago. Of course, of course they were. <laughs> um, I had a question about your GI stuff. What do you think the Neanderthals back in the day that might have had anxiety bombing mm. um, did? Or... I mean, that's a great question. Genuinely. Um, and I don't... Okay, so there's a couple things feeding into that, which is one, um, anxiety and stress and where those things come from, sort of chemically and evolutionarily. And then two... Yeah. Um, the idea of sort of like social anxiety. So we have stress and anxiety, like it, because we used to, and when I say used to like thousands or millions of years ago, we used to genuinely live in an environment where we could be prey. We shared a landscape with, with predators. We um, hunted and gathered. So just sort of surviving was often difficult and stress was, necessary um and it was passed on through evolution because like let's say here's the scenario like you are a little australopithecus which is sort of a a very early member of the human lineage you're tootling around the african savannah where you have evolved and you hear a rustle in the grass and if you turn around and go and you're like keyed up and ready to run if you need to and it's like just the wind in the grass yeah fine fine maybe you're a little embarrassed but fine if you go and you're ready to run away and it's a lion like that instinct saves you maybe potentially. Yeah. And then you can pass on your genes to the next generation who then is also anxious when they hear things wrestling. But now the humans now 
most of the population doesn't have to fight lions for survival, doesn't have to worry about hunting and gathering, doesn't have to face these environmental stressors. And so the things we stress out about are social things and work things and, and imaginary things. And so like the, the chemicals, that reaction, that, that evolutionary mechanism is still there, but it's not being applied in the same way. And I think that's the reason why uh, anxiety seems so severe. Yeah. And and, and common to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And also the world today is much more connected. Like we know about the existence of many, many more, you know, millions of people than I think the average person 50,000 years ago would have. And so just sort of the ability to, to know that terrible things are happening thousands of miles away is, is something really recent. And so taking on, if, if you're someone who reacts with anxiety to, to world events, things that aren't happening directly to you, the fact that we know that, these things are happening and can stare at our screens all day and be constantly fed information of awful things happening or just of just sort of distressing things, then, you know, that it spikes that anxiety that much more. So I think, I think a Neanderthal might not have had anxiety in the same way, sort of applied anxiety. Um, That said though, um, in the human genome is a piece of DNA that's most likely from Neanderthals interbreeding with humans that might be linked to higher instances of depression. So maybe Neanderthals were kind of mopey. I don't know. Or maybe. Cool. I'd be there. Maybe friends. it's just. I didn't hang yeah, out with them. I, uh, I don't. Yeah, sure. I, I sometimes I feel like a mopey Neanderthal. I do. So, I, so maybe, maybe. 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 That's in my line somewhere. Well, um, I go out of the cave today. Yeah, exactly. Right. Was there any was there any other parts of the poopy past you want to share with us? <laughs> um, well, I, in terms of actual specimens, just briefly, I want to mention um, this one just because it's so large. It's like I know we've all taken like monster dumps. Obviously, it's that is a human experience, like universal. I guarantee you. But this particular one is extra funny to me. Um, I'm just going to read this excerpt from uh, from Atlas Obscura. Quote, the, this coprolite fossilized feces was discovered in 1972 in York in the UK under what was to become a local bank. As such, it's been named the Lloyds Bank coprolite or more, more colloquially, the Lloyds Bank turd. I just <laughs> I just love that 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 has a nickname and that it kind of pokes fun at a huge banking corporation and um yeah it was a it was a viking poop uh and it actually yielded some really interesting information like whoever this viking was they mostly ate meat and bread not a lot of veggies in that diet but they also had whipworm and other internal intestinal parasites which meant they probably yeah they probably weren't comfortable a lot of the time which i've been yeah, uh, the the I'm more you look in in the literature, the more instances you see of just like parasites were everywhere in the past. Like I think most regular people probably at some point in their lives in the past just got really sick because of parasites. Fun. Yep. Fun. Past is great. Um, we've kind of we've kind of skirted around this, but what do you think the other than like I think I, I'm trying to find another way to ask you the same question I just asked you, but what do you, what do you think like the 
past can teach people who live with chronic IBS or chronic um, chronic anxiety, puking stuff <laughs> like. How, how do you think um, the past can help us who live with that feel better? I think, as with any life experience, the worst part of it is the feeling that you might be alone in your in your suffering or in your experience, whatever that might be. Um, whether yep. it's, you know, mental illness or, or, or physical illness or disability. And so the past looking into lives in the past, and especially the ones that aren't written about the ones that don't really make it into the history books or just are sort of prehistoric, nothing's written down, understanding lives in the past, the more data we have, the more we see that actually these kinds of experiences were lived by people in the past. People did have what seems to be, you know, symptoms of severe anxiety. People did have GI issues like uh, parasites everywhere. There are medical texts that describe symptoms of GI issues. Um, And so I think, and, and as you know, um, that's something that we try to do with the dirt is to, show through examples of as many stories as we can tell about the past that there is no single way to embody being a human there's no single way to live as a human being there's no correct way to live as a human being and every experience is valid you know trauma is valid you know the our interiority our feelings of grief and joy and, and and how we perceive the world all those things are valid and all those things are in some way shared by everyone and shared by people in the past. And, and life is just as rich and complicated and awful and wonderful as it is now. It just, we don't get to see that. We can't sort of go back in time and see that. So we have to use the historical and archeological records to kind of tease out those life experiences, but they're there. And that's the important thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, knowing that there's a Viking turd, yeah, someone um, had just a really difficult shit. I mean, and, I've been there. I've been there, yeah. man. I feel you so hard. I've been right there. So knowing that the Vikings had, had a Absolutely. tough third day makes me feel a little better. Yeah, next time you're having a tough one, just think back and be like, man, I get it. If the, if the Vikings could, so could I. So um, can totally I, yeah. tangent thing. This is not about poo, but because we're okay. talking about Vikings, I have to ask you. Yes. Do you watch that show, The Ghosts? Oh, the um, no, it's on my to watch list. Um, it's on HBO, right? I think it's on HBO. It's on uh, CBS, I think. Oh, okay. Because there's two. Anyway. There's there's a British show, Ghosts, I think, and there's is it a new yeah. is it an American I show? W- I was looking at the American one specifically because they have a Viking. Do they? Is that, it good? And that it's pretty. It's pretty funny. And they okay. haven't talked about poo poo yet, but well, they need to read the literature. I know they. We should. We if that show wants to hire me as a consultant, um, I'm I'm available. Go, Sirena, do it, do it. Um, so quickly, I wanted to shift gears a bit mm-hmm. and ask you, and you've kind of shared this throughout, but I want to ask you, how has your GI stuff impacted your relationships, your friendships, intimacy? Um. It has gotten immeasurably better since I've been much more open about it. And so people who know me, people who are 
close or even not that close friends with me. And actually probably anyone who listens to The Dirt because Amber and I, my my co-host Amber and I, often talk about mental health and our own issues. So probably anyone who listens probably will have heard me mention that I'm a little anxious little monkey. But um, I think in terms of relationships, so my partner's great. We've been together for nine years now. And um, well, she, congrats. congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's great. But um, she knows now, like she knows what my triggers are. She knows to to ask like she knows you know kind of like the expression on my face if I'm having a tough time or she knows that if I if I say hey I'm really not doing well can we get out of here like it's not a big deal it's you know she knows that that this is something real that I struggle with and she's very sympathetic about it and she you know she has her own anxieties about about things so it's just really good to be able to communicate openly and, and I would encourage anyone who has people around them who they spend time with, right? Be open if you can about, about what's going on, you know, sort of internally, yeah. because people can't read your mind. They can't, if they know you well enough, they might be able to sort of pick up on, on cues on sort of body language cues or something like that. But um, just and, being you know, able my, to say. You're, yeah. you're, you're so right. My friends and I get, my friends get annoyed with me because all I do know is talk about poo. Because it calms my anxiety about the poo. And if I can talk about it with you, then I don't worry about having an issue. Yeah, just getting the words out is so helpful. And it feels like it's like kind of choking you until you until you yeah. say the thing. And then it's just, just sort of weight off of your shoulders or, you know, off of your butt a or whatever. Turd, yeah, a, a weight, of, a turd on, on your intestines, basically, mm-hmm. is what it feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I think... I think that that sort of answered your question, right? Just sort of like, I, yeah. I've gotten much better and more sort of open about it. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing that's, that's changed and for the better. I know with my poo stuff, I have to cancel a lot of things. Do you find with the anxiety vomiting that you have to cancel a lot? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say, first of all, thank you for assuming that I have a rich and varied social calendar. Um, I don't do a lot of stuff with a lot of people, partially because of pandemic reasons, partially just because I got a lot going on. But when I do stuff, um, usually uh, if I do have to cancel, people are super understanding and I'll be really honest. It's like, hey, my anxiety is out of control today. I don't think it's a great idea to do x y or z um and people are usually like oh no worries um but yeah i do often feel bad if it's you know if it's like an event that we had tickets for or something and i and i fail like i will feel bad but ultimately i don't know making the the selfish choice and not like being miserable at an event (laughs) for the sake of like going because we bought the tickets like that's not the way to go for me i've I've canceled, I've bought the tickets and then I've not been able to cancel them. And like, well, I hope that somebody gets that seat because I'm not going. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's much better with medication for me. Um, so a lot of times if I know ahead of time that it's going to be sort of a, a potentially stressful situation. I will bring my emergency medication and then just kind of sit there happily. <laughs> it's like, oh, colors and movement. I know, like, as a queer person, this weekend when we're recording, it's Pride here in Toronto. Mm, didn't and go. I, yeah, yeah, it was Tulsa I, Pride here, too. I can't. It makes it gives me the, like, 
hot, wet, scared poo? How does it, how would something like pride, just to like tie in the queer element for a minute, mm-hmm. how would pride affect all of that? Yes, I didn't even mention that. Yes, fellow queer. Hello, happy pride. Um, and I would just feel nauseous the whole time, I think. Um, the one of the reasons I didn't go to Pride yesterday, apart from it's a big crowd and I'm I'm not great with crowds, is that it was like 105 degrees. So to all the wow. people who went out to, oh yeah, sorry, uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, to to all the people who went out to tell surprise, like God bless you. But um, I'm old and cranky, and it was too hot. Me too, Anna. Me too. Mm-hmm. Old, yeah. cranky, and I don't want to shit myself. And I, I don't want. I don't want to shit myself in a crowd full of really attractive men that I want to flirt with, but can't if I shit myself. Yeah. And so oh, absolutely. The, the voice it's, that uh, we were talking about earlier would be like, when are your so pride? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a really hot guy. He what if you shit it. on him? It, yeah. He probably doesn't like it if you poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would be a lot like that, except um, like, a, a, a pit of like hot nails would be sort of right under my sternum and would just oh. kind of spread down to my tummy and just because I don't know where like the adrenal gland is not is is I think somewhere around mid-body again not that yeah that's right maybe uh, and so like that is like the physical the f- physical feeling starts like I guess it's, you know, you say like, I got a feeling in the pit of my stomach. I guess that's sort of where your stomach ends, but just that feeling of like that hot, sharp feeling of anxiety, just like spreading. And I'm just like, nope, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Dip. Like the same with, same with my bum hole. It's like, nope, I, nope. I, I got it. Nope. Can't do it. Bye. Bye. Nope. Yeah. No. Um, no. Butthole says no. Butthole says, I mean, my butthole says yes to a lot of stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying that you don't have an accommodating butthole. I'm just saying like say when yes butthole says that, no, though. it's it means no. No means no. Yeah, correct. Um, so my last question for everyone on this shit is real. What do you think the realest thing about your gastrointestinal issue that you want to share is? I think I just want people to understand that it's not exactly something in my control. And that it's something that I've learned to manage and that it's something that is a real experience and I'm not doing it for attention. Um, Say that one more time because it was... Hmm? Say that one more time because it was really important and amazing and important that people hear that you say that you're not doing it for attention. Oh, I'm not doing it for attention. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real experience. It's only sort of under control thanks to medication. It's something that, that I manage and you know, thanks to cognitive behavioral therapy and, and talking to friends and stuff like that. But it is not something, it's not an affect. It's not something that I've adopted as part of my personality. Um, Maybe my personality has been shaped by it. I think one of the reasons that I, um, that I deflect and use humor and self-deprecation so much is because I'm just constantly anxious. And that's a way for me to sort of brush off some of that anxiety. But yeah. You mean your superpower is not vomiting when you don't want to? Um, I mean, I guess in in a conflict situation that would provide the advantage of surprise if I just suddenly like <laughs> uh, and barf all over somebody. But maybe no, maybe you should 
maybe we should talk to Marvel and be like, hey, listen, have you ever thought about having? <laughs> well, they've already got. They already have the the Jurassic Park dinosaurs that like spit acid. Like that's basically what I would be. I would be the one who's like. <laughs> And then, like, barfs at And I'd be, I'd be a, the other one in the corner being like, I'm just shit of the turds so you can't get around me. Ah, yeah. the turdinator. That's right. Amazing. Um, yeah. This was so fun. And I'm, I'm so glad that our two shows, which are completely, like, different from each other, came together. But this crossover. It. Yeah. This uh, is a crossover that all of you all didn't know you needed, but here it is. Here it is. Now you know. Um, yeah, I, one more, can we talk about buttholes just for like one second? Of more? course, of course we can. I just want everyone to know that part of, uh, Babylon, ancient Babylonian medicine, right? So illness related to the gastrointestinal system was sort of divided into three main sections, like the, the literature, the, the Babylonian literature, which is, um, you know, Babylonians, they, they had, um, advanced sort of mathematics and, and astronomy and they were, they were phenomenal medicine. Um, so there's sort of translations and commentary available. So we know what the Babylonians said about medicine. And so it's divided into three main sections. One is just like how to treat gastrointestinal illness. Um, and then there's also a a series of texts focused on diarrhea, which is great, very niche, but then also there's a third group that attributes intestinal disturbances to ghosts. So like... (laughs) If you what? just have persistent GI problems, doctors can't figure out what's going on. You've made yeah. all the requisite sacrifices. You don't yeah. know what's happening. You got a haunted butthole. So that's, I so just want to offer that to, to <laughs> listeners as a possibility. Like if your doctors so, can't figure out what's going on, going on, ghosts. So what you're saying is I have a haunted gimpy butthole. I'm here for that. Yeah. Spooky butthole. Ooh. I'm... <laughs> And I think we found the title of this episode. Great. Yep. This is haunted. This is haunted buttholes. Haunted buttholes with me. You should. You should send that to. To and that's why we drink and be like, you should do a story on haunted buttholes. I'm sure that doesn't like Kesha have some 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 relatively famous recording artist like has a haunted vagina, right, or something like that. Do they? I. I didn't know I that. But I don't want to cast. Gonna... I don't want to cast aspersions on on Kesha. I, or or she said she has sex with ghosts. I don't. I, that I this is out of my realm of knowledge. But anyway, I'm sure there's stories about people who claim to have haunted buttholes. Butthole. But I would I would I'm gonna love to talk to and that's why we drink about all kinds of spooky stuff in the past because that's 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 a jam. If but if if by some weird coincidence you're listening to this. And that's why we drink team. And you, you are the reason why we are talking right now because I heard your story on their show. Oh, that's like, right. That's right. Years My ago. terrible, terrible graduation story. Yeah. And so now here we are. So very briefly, oh. and that's what ATWWD team, you're the reason why we're doing this right now. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, folks. Um, thank you for talking about your gastro stuff with me and being so vulnerable i know it's an easy conversation to put out in the world um but you did so with humor history and fun it was a good time i had fun yeah i had so much fun thank you for this this really just whizzed by uh, it really did it was a like really a fart in hour the wind. Time. yeah <laughs> like a vom in i don't know how to make it a, like a in, into a fan 
Yeah, that's right. Barfing oh, no. into a fan it's... just flies by. Oh, just oh no! Ew. Don't don't. Um, do yeah, don't. Ew. Um, how can the people listening get it? Follow you. Follow the dirt. How they do that? People can find me specifically in all sorts of places. I am on Twitter. I'm at Anna Goldfield. Just my name. Um, and I also I have a Facebook. I don't use it. I'm at Puppy Digs on Instagram, but it's mostly pictures of food and cats. Like if that's what you want, awesome. I Truly. occasionally, you know, post a vain selfie because I want the attention. But um, yeah, it's it's not the most uh, flashy account, but it's fun. And for the dirt, people can find everything all lumped together at thedirtpod.com. So all of our episodes are on that page, as well as merch and all of our socials feed directly um, to the webpage. So that's all there. But if you want to follow us individually, um, you can follow us on Twitter at dirtpodcast. And on Instagram, we can you can follow us at thedirtpod. We the names were consistent names weren't available on all the platforms, so we're just like isn't the worst when it's you're just like oh fuck come on why there's another the dirt what I mean there is a another the dirt podcast I it's either a running or a gardening podcast I don't remember could uh, I mean I like both of those things however yeah. yours is, when I found yours I was pleasantly surprised so oh gosh thank again this is that's what we aim for like oh. Yeah. Oh, I found it because I was listening. Nice. To, I was listening to them at like one in the morning, and I and then they mentioned your podcast, and I was like, I'm gonna just flip over and see what it is. And then next thing you know, it's three hours later, and I was like, Okay, I'm still listening. You're great. Yeah, I've learned so much about the past and not slept. Yep, been there. Yeah, cool. Um, so we did all the things. We talked about poo and barf today. It was a good uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Such Thank a pleasure. you for having me on this award-winning Canadian podcast. Yay! I'm so happy that you were here, and I would love to have you back anytime. Uh, just just say the word. We will the, find the, the word is poop. The word <laughs> poop turd. Yes, turd yep. turd. Awesome. We'll Anna Goldfield from second and third episode. Sorry. <laughs> Shut up. So funny. We could just spend all day doing butts. Um, um, so funny. So <laughs> thank you so much for being here and I will talk to you very soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and my guests as we explore how poo affects you and how poo affects disability on this mini series. It means so much. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for being vulnerable as we talk about real shit on this mini series. Thank you so so much. It means a lot and I love I love 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 doing it. That's been another episode and we'll be back next time for another This Shit Is Real. I'm your host Andrew Groza. Bye friends Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded and produced by Cripple and Co Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, 
please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.